the good, the bad, and the Boucherian. The good, the bad, and the Boucherian. And folks, you're listening to the good, the bad, and the Boucherian. You also become very, very aware of, of what's going on back home. I think I think one of those things that I feel our parents don't fully understand about us is, or at least not even just our parents, but even people who are seeing our parents take us to school in the US, there's always the assumption that this child is privileged and entirely unaware of what it is their parents are going through. I could go to the extent of talking about my own mother who... I remember there were times where she was working something close to like 16 hour shifts, three days a week, just to, just to keep ahead, you know, just to mm-hmm. get what it is she wanted to get done. And even at that age, I was yes. aware you grow up, you hit nine, 10, 11, 12. You think we don't see our parents coming home late from work. You think we don't see the stress mm-hmm. as much as they try to hide it. You don't think we see them talking to each other, wondering how they're going to make ends meet. We are aware. And you know what's so sad? There was Mm -hmm. always that kid who put in the most effort and was very diligent with their work and somehow still got the very worst treatment from the teachers just for the fact that the the results couldn't show. And it was so sad to watch because Mm -hmm. you're looking at someone who you're putting in the work. And I believe this was every single person to an extent, but I'm speaking very specifically to someone who has a track record of putting in the work every single day. I think something I think about a little too much with my mom has told me not to think about mm-hmm. is worrying about her. It's your boy Billy back at it with another episode. Hope you guys are keeping well, keeping safe amidst the pandemic and things are going well on your side as they are on mine. Today my guest in studio is Collins Mokaya, a STEM major. He does engineering. And today he's gonna be telling us a bit about some of the struggles of being an international student, some of the things he had to learn when reaching the land of opportunities that we don't see talking to us about having to be an adult early enough more earlier than expected earlier than the average child here in kenya so tell mm-hmm. me about your struggles as an international student tell me oh, the things that is... first. tell mm-hmm. me the things you expected as an international student going to you uh-huh. <sighs> i think Probably one of the things I know for a fact I expected going there was that it would be like a like a smooth, smooth ride all the way through. Mm-hmm. I think there's a part of me that had honestly very much expected that just because of the way the system was here and the amount of reading we had to do and the amount of, I don't know, just there was a lot more involvement in what we were doing. I expected that that things would be easier. And I think that was built upon my belief that cramming was good enough to substitute learning. And in in like a, in universities abroad, I think they prioritize learning more than they do cramming. So eventually mm-hmm. you get to a point where you're doing your exams, 
And you realize that you, I think, and you only really realize this once you've gone into the slightly higher levels of whatever course it is you're doing, that's when the learning part becomes a little bit more important. So I think that's one thing I expected. I expected it to be, yeah, I expected it to be easier than it is. I also expected the place to be a lot more racist than it actually ended up being in actuality. Mm -hmm. Mm, I think that's a good thing of going abroad is you you realize that when it comes to racism, yes, you'll have to deal with it. And yes, it is a big issue, but a majority of people aren't like that. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. You don't you don't deal with it. Like you'd have to really go like in my case, for example, you'd either have to be incredibly unlucky or you'd have to go looking for it to find it. <laughs> <laughs> but but I know I'm just mm-hmm. but I guess that one is also built on the fact that I do tend to keep to myself quite a lot so maybe that's why and I know mm-hmm. that I have friends who have had different experiences mm-hmm. but yeah. even with that is it more mm-hmm. of so I was, I was going to someone that about it and they're telling me about how obviously the struggles between Africans and uh, black Americans are very different mm-hmm. so for us probably you've not know you've grown up not knowing what uh, the subtle racial cues are yes. and whatnot. So for mm-hmm. them, they'd actively know this person is being racist, but for you, you don't even look at it in that way. Is that a thing? I guess, see, the thing is just because of how you've explained it, if it mm-hmm. were a thing, just by your own logic, I wouldn't know. Mm. So I do think, but in, t- in terms of just like the subtleness of the racism, I do think there are a bunch of situations where um i do think there are a bunch of situations where it is it does come out in a very subtle way and you have to pay attention to see it mm-hmm. but just like you said just because of how i grew up i wouldn't really know so what are some of the struggles you have had to have to had my english you faced it's okay trust me there's it's not just you it's not just me. Uh, <laughs> anyway, it's our second mm-hmm. language, as they say. No, so. absolutely. Let's see. Main, I think the you're asking the struggles that I went through going yes. to the US. Mm-hmm. Um, I think money would be the biggest one. Not, not necessarily to say that you know, I'm I'm struggling necessarily to keep myself afloat, but more so because it did take a bit of time for me to kind of understand that that what should sustain you here doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily sustain you in the US. And then I had to have conversations with my mom about that. Mm-hmm. And you know, because it, it came a time where it was like she was sending me pocket money. And I'm like, it's it's a reasonable amount of money. But at the same time, I'm going through it and I have to explain to her, but why are you going through all of this money so quickly? Uh-huh. And it came to a point where I was like, there isn't as much as I would like to use this money, as much as I'd like to use less of the money. Truth mm-hmm. is, I can't really do that in the sense that the expenses that exist are kind of fixed. The things that are here would cost maybe one and a half to two times as much as it would back home, 
even mm-hmm. though the misconception tends to be that you can get things in the US a bit cheaper than you can get here. Not the case, especially if you're looking at things that, like a perfect example would be shopping for the kitchen. I expected mm-hmm. that if I was going to buy stuff that were organic stuff that were, you know, just homegrown stuff, kina, bell peppers, dania, and what have you, I thought it wouldn't be as expensive as it is, but you go to the store, even when you're trying your very, very best to pick the cheapest item, you've picked two, three, four things, your bill is running you like $60. You're wondering how. How? Exactly. And how? so uh-huh. I think the best way I learned how to combat that is, A, I got a job. So mm-hmm. it meant that my living and eating expenses were split between me and my mom. So at least I, I'm i not putting the entire weight of that on her. And the second thing I did is I, I took the time to learn about the resources that were around the school. So I came to find out that the church that is next to our school actually has a pantry. And you can go there on Tuesdays and Thursdays and they give you out food and I believe the school has the same thing as well, but not twice, but three times a week. So it ended up being a situation where I could save money by getting other stuff from the pantry. And what I couldn't get from the pantry is now what I eventually had to buy. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the challenges was definitely money. I think the second challenge is also... Before we go to the second challenge, mm-hmm. before we go to the second challenge let's talk a bit about the money aspect. Because I think, as you said, that's the biggest challenge. And something mm-hmm. that in even my previous episode, I just talked to the guest who's also an international, who was an international student, and just saying how um, international students, you guys don't talk about these issues a lot. So here we are mm-hmm. talking about them. Um, so about just the money aspect, even I saw a video the other day where the current was uh, some something to do with the person didn't even buy the most necessary things they need because mm-hmm. growing up, they didn't grow up, you don't, they didn't grow up with abundance. So uh-huh. but that mean they grew up in poverty, but you didn't grow up in abundance. You know the difference. Uh-huh. So now, I if they needed an umbrella, they rather not buy an umbrella. You rationalize and say, do I really need Ooh. this umbrella? Even though it's as well, cheap well, as, well. you know. Mm-hmm. So tell me about that. And even just um, obviously growing up in an African household where probably you have to, for international students at least, you have to grow up faster than the rest of us who are perhaps living with our folks. So talk to me about that dichotomy. Um, I, I believe, if, if, I'm, if I heard correctly, you want me to talk about the concept of growing up a bit faster due to going abroad? Yes. Okay. Um, I think it comes, I, I think it comes in many forms. I think the three forms I realized it is one, you learn the value of money very, very quickly. And mm-hmm. I think we've just gone over that right now. The second, you you know, you go and realize how how much of your life now really depends on you. Mm-hmm. Which is which is essentially just to say whenever you're in the US or whenever you're in the UK or something to that effect, you can't act in ways that you would act here. Mm-hmm. And you also can't, um, 
I'm looking for the words. I'm looking for the words, but I can't. You understand how quickly whatever you do has an, an, an influence on your life because direct of the fact influence. that you're over there. Mm-hmm. Like a very, very direct influence. Like the timing of my registration for my classes, for example, determines when I enter the engineering program or whether or not I decide I want to go out tonight and party determines whether I'll be able to get to work in the morning and whether I can get to work in the morning determines whether or not I'm counted as late. And those things do tend to add up. And two or three absences later, you've lost your job. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you also come to understand... You also become very, very aware of, of what's going on back home. I think, I think one of those things that I feel our parents don't fully understand about us is, or at least not even just our parents, but even people who are seeing our parents take us to school in the U.S., there's always the assumption that this child is privileged and entirely unaware of what it is their parents are going through or is fully incapable of like understanding hey, this is what's going on. This is how much my parents are putting into putting me through school. And for said, for said reason, I need to work harder and such and such. So mm-hmm. in that regard, I think you do grow up a lot faster and then you start making much better decisions. But I do think the downside of that is that growing up faster, you also don't have as much help. As much as you will have your parents and your friends to speak to, while you're in the moment, you do have to make decisions that can affect you and then you have to deal with consequences later Mm -hmm. so off the top of my head those are the things i can think of and for you have you experienced any of these things personally or all of these things um i think mine would probably be would probably be the matter of of school fees and tuition I wouldn't, mm-hmm. I wouldn't by any means say that we're struggling, but just like you said, it's not, it's not that we grew up poor, but not to say we grew up in overabundance, you know? Yes. I'm fully aware of how much things cost. My mom is very, very keen on using money the right way, and I learned that as well. But I also do sit back and look at the money, and I'm like, wow, this is a lot. And obviously, while you're looking at that, it does come to bear down on you, and you think to yourself, you know, if things go, if things don't go to plan, what happens if I don't do well in this exam? Is this money going to waste and so on and so forth? So for me, in that regard, I do think my cognizance of the amount of money that was spent did put a bit of additional pressure on me, mm-hmm. but not not outside pressure. It was mostly inside pressure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so do you think it's a good thing for you to be to know how much school is being spent on you. So that way, does it is it more detrimental or more helpful where if you know how much school is, is being paid, you obviously have to work harder and put in your best foot. Or by you knowing, mm-hmm. there can be that side of the coin where now you feel, you know, there's that guilt trip where, oh, my parents are paying this much money and I'm not doing so well. So you enter into that cycle of just always um, feeling like your, your, your parents or whoever is paying your school fees could be doing so much better. But you, on this other hand, mm-hmm. things are not going well. And I, mm, 
whether to know or not to know um i think for your own for your own knowledge i think it's good to know i personally think it's it's always the best to be motivated mm-hmm. to do well regardless of how much money is being spent on your fees but i do believe that if you're made a little bit too aware of how much fees is being spent then it can be a detriment in the sense that if say mm-hmm. for example you don't do too well in an exam and then such a such a thing is mentioned time and time again you do end up becoming a little bit guilty and you do end up feeling as though you know i'm not you end up feeling guilty about things that you can't feel guilty about most of all if for example you put your best foot forward so i do think it's good to be aware i do think it's detrimental to be too aware mm-hmm. and the individual should you know choose what it is that's best for them i mm-hmm. think you should be aware of it i just think you should you doing well or not doing well shouldn't be too correlated with how much is being paid if that makes sense Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's how I feel on that. But mm-hmm. would you fault parents if they use that card? Yes, I do think so. I, I personally for... would. Okay, so we're paying this school fee. I hmm, okay, I uh-huh. see the it. thing is I don't think that's a I don't think that's a question that has like a a direct yes or no. So I will I will explain it as best as I can. I do think that yeah it is the prerogative mm-hmm. of the parent to say yes to like to indicate that we are doing some work on your behalf for you to be where you are i think it is always good to to a degree to remind them that hey we're doing our best and it would be appreciated if you're doing your best however i don't think it should be held over once once it gets to a point mm-hmm. where it's being held over your head is where i personally would draw the line i don't think that you should regardless of whether you chose to take your child to a very prestigious school or to any other school you know anywhere in the world regardless of which it is that you chose i don't think mm-hmm. you making that choice should now be held over the head of your child because at the end of the day Mm-hmm. Again, this is a choice you made and like any other choice it does have consequences. I do think mm-hmm. if you made that choice, you do have the responsibility on your end to hold it up and you can at times, you know, say hey, we're doing a lot on your behalf to make sure that you're well, so please, you know, put your best foot forward. But at whatever point it is that you start hanging it over your kid's head and saying, yeah, no look at all the fees we're paying cuz i remember it used to get especially in like primary i think primary is the best definition of when you had stuff like this being hung over your head and the the tragedy of it is mm-hmm. it wasn't even your parents hanging it over your head it was your teachers and no matter which school you went mm-hmm. to you'd have a teacher who would always hang it over your head and be like and look at all these fees that your parents are paying for you to be in school look at all that it is that they're doing nice into grids and apparently as if you yeah. as an individual not doing well in 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 school somehow correlates to you being an ungrateful child you know mm. and i mm. did have mm-hmm. friends who i did have friends who 
I'd I'd see go through this and I I many a times watched a bunch of people cry while being told this stuff. And mm-hmm. I think that's where my opinion was formed cuz yeah, they had they had this desire to hang it over your head as if they themselves were paying the fees. Right? Asantiomain used to say unapeleka ngombe shuleni kuelimisha mbuzi. For my international audience, direct translation is you're taking a cow to school to to educate a goat which just the analogy was that you know parents sometimes sell cattle and some of their belongings to pay school fees and stuff so you're spending a higher price on education and stuff to take someone who is going to reap the benefits so yeah and the thing is it's like and at the end of the day the question is but what are you trying to achieve by saying all of that at the end of the mm. day what's the goal here you're shaming mm-hmm. someone who probably did their best in an exam all to point out what that they are ungrateful or that somehow they have no understanding of who their parents are or what they struggle through most of us are fully aware mm. and everyone knows that even even at the youngest of ages once kids even if you think about a kid who's just reached the age of like 6 they're fully aware of their the the surroundings even i mm. i could go to the extent of talking about i could go to the extent of talking about my own mother who i remember there were times where she was working something close to like 16 hour shifts 3 days a week just to just to keep ahead you know just to mm-hmm. get what it is she wanted to get done and even at that age i was yes. aware you grow up you hit 9 10 11 12 you think we don't see our parents coming home late from work you think we don't see the stress mm-hmm. as much as they try to hide it you don't think we see them talking to each other wondering how they're going to make ends meet we are aware we yeah. are fully aware mm. and mm. on on like a side note if there's anything i could say to any of the teachers who are still in the kcse kcp curriculum don't hang these things over anyone's head i don't think it helps and in all honesty i think you're mm. doing more harm than good because at the end of the day this child doesn't get even more motivated and just think okay my parents are struggling they get in that cycle of self pity and always feeling i'm not mm-hmm. being good enough sometimes the people breaking down wouldn't even be the people yell- being yelled at someone yeah. sitting somewhere nearby listening to the same conversation and honestly i think if i'm being very honest with myself i was one of those people as well as much as as much as i really? wouldn't never i wouldn't really say as much as i wouldn't say that i was a a terrible student i also wouldn't say i was incredibly brilliant so on the mm-hmm. one on the occasion where i wouldn't do too well even if even if objectively mm-hmm. speaking it was a good grade hearing that being told to someone else it kind of slowly filters into your own head and just like you said and i believe me and mm-hmm. you had a conversation about this yesterday it was once you get to that point yes. where once you get to that point where it is in your head that you are inadequate you start the cycle of self pity and then ultimately you lose the motivation to do what it is that will you end you end up feeding into the cycle as opposed to breaking it. So mm-hmm. you get to that point where you're thinking, ah, look at me, all these fees that are being paid, all this work that's being done on my behalf for me to go to school, 
And I think this is also in light of the fact that I was an only child and I did, I did get it. I, I don't know why these assumptions were made of me all the time, but be it teachers, be it the secretary, whoever it was, the lone fact that I was an own, that mm-hmm. I am an only child was enough for everyone to conclude this kid is spoiled. And it was enough for everyone to say, yeah, really? you know, mm-hmm. absolutely. Oh, goodness. The number of times I'd get this stuff in high school, especially, especially at the point that I was pointing out an error made by the teacher is when I would hear it. Mm, yeah, you're spoiled. Even though no one you, oh, you know, your parents have so much money, they're spending it on you. You don't, you, I don't, one of the things I don't think international students or people who studied abroad can ever come to understand is the level of abuse, both subliminal and obvious, that most of us had to go through just Mm -hmm. trying to get through school. Just simply just trying to get through school Mm -hmm. and trying to do your best even when you hadn't done what you wanted. So even when you're at that point where it's like, I failed, yes, I want to do better. Hearing that in the background, hearing someone say it, and hearing someone say that you should be ashamed of yourself for not doing well and disgracing your parents who are putting in so much work, it filters into your own head and you start a cycle which effectively makes you less motivated to want to get your stuff done and to be good at school and to correct Mm -hmm. your mistakes. Because at the end of the day, the simplest way to have solved the issue would have been, you failed? Yes. Where did you fail? You look at what you failed. And then you start corrective measures. But at that point where you begin to guilt trip someone, you've already you've already started feeding into that cycle mm. of failure. So even on that point, speak to me a bit more about that concept of you being an only child and people assuming that you're a spoiled brat. Because um, definitely your parents are taking you to a better school, quote-unquote, that, that's definitely kind of more expensive. People assume that your parents are spoiling you. But for your parents, that's the investing in education. It's about quality of education. And so... A lot of people think you're spoiled and whatnot. And compared with someone who goes to an average school that then spend too much money, you're given the chance to fail. So if I fail in school, it'll never be about uh, your parents are, f- are, are spending so much school fees. Why are you failing? But for someone who's being taken to such a uh, high-end school, you're not given the chance to fail like in your classes and stuff. You'll always be told your parents are spending so much money. How can you afford to fail and stuff? So you're really not allowed to be the average, the normal child who because of the cycles of passing sometimes and failing. So talk to me a bit about that. I, I honestly, I wish I had like a, like a concrete answer for that. Um, but what do you think about best, that? What I think about it is I do think there was, at least to some extent, projection from our teachers onto us. I think there were a bunch mm-hmm. of things where there were a bunch of situations where you'd you'd see that projection being highlighted, especially in situations where, um, for example, you managed to do something like really incredible, and then the normal ups and downs, the normal failures that you'll have, and we're not even just talking about exams, we're talking about the normal transgressions that you have as a student from day to day would ultimately be cycled back to your spoilt. A good example I could give is 
I believe we had we had a cultural dance thing that we did somewhere within high school. And so it was me and our class and we'd done it for, I think we just started at the beginning of the semester and anyone who went to light knows what I'm talking about. But we'd started mm-hmm. around maybe I'd say the beginning of form. No, 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 no. We'd started towards the end of form one. And what our teachers didn't know when they were throwing all this shade at us, and I'll, I'll get to what it is they were saying in particular, but what it is our teachers didn't know when they were throwing the shade to us is we were essentially dancing, and I mean rigorously dancing, for well over six hours a day. For what I would say would be five days. It was five days. Mm-hmm. It was essentially meant to be all of November, Monday through Friday. But because we felt we hadn't practiced enough, we ended up giving them all of December as well. Mm-hmm. So, no, sorry. When when is when is a holiday for us? It's half of November and then all of December. So, yeah. For high school, high school. It was like the end of November and all of December, right? Yes. Yeah. So I believe it was it was supposed to be just the last two weeks of November and maybe the first week of December, but it seemed like we weren't ready for it. Mm-hmm. And so we gave an additional three weeks. So this is six hours of jumping up and down, vigorously putting time into this. So everything that we did, everything that ended up taking us abroad, it wasn't, it had nothing to do with us being spoiled. And in all honesty, I believe it showed how much dedication we had because it was rigorous. It was tiresome. Even if you were having two, three meals a day, you always felt like you didn't have enough in your body because whatever you ate, you you just sweat. And so I remember there came a point in time mm-hmm. where, um, you know, you know how high school was with hair and just essentially having, essentially having any hair that yeah. wasn't directly on your scalp was too much hair. So you'd have situations where mm-hmm. the teacher would... Obviously, you know, if someone has too much hair on eight umbele, either you your parents are called, so you go and shave, or I think towards form three, form four, because you couldn't go home, they'd bring someone in and you'd be shaved at school. Um, so mm-hmm. I think it got to a point where it was like this one guy had his hair just just a little bit more than it should have been. And we were fully aware that we had like a week before we were going to fly out because i think it was early february and we were supposed to fly out somewhere in the middle of february for the trip and it was his hair was just a little bit over it wasn't that big a deal and it wasn't untidy either and somehow Mm -hmm. the teacher who had pulled him forward found a way to take that and circle all the way back to it being about him being spoiled and oh, doyo nini mengia dance some shikiki, and all mm-hmm. those all those things. Mm, essentially, you being in any position of having something that was considered more so a want than a need, you know, like mm-hmm. whenever you got to a point where you were in a school, like as opposed to just being in a national school. Say, for example, you were at a school where 
the amount that was being paid for that school is significantly more than the average for the country, for example, you would you'd end up in a situation where the teachers would just assume that there's nothing about you that is worth mm, your hard work is not worth consideration in whatever time you fail. So it will be about it will be about your parents putting you through a good school when you do well. It will be about you being a failure to your parents and them putting you through a good school and you still not being able to do well. So somehow it always it was always about the amount of money that your parents were spending on you. It mm-hmm. wasn't about the effort. It wasn't about the simple fact that everyone fails eventually. Everyone doesn't do as well as they want to eventually. It'll happen. If you take a large enough sample size for anyone, you're going to get to a point where someone isn't going to do well in an exam. And it's fine. I think one of the things we didn't have was that. The just mm. being told it's fine to not do well in school. Mm-hmm. It's okay to it's or rather not that it's fine not to do well in school, but it's okay to slip. Yeah. As long as you're making the proper adjustments and you know why you slipped, it's okay to slip. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And even on that, uh that the the because it is probably tied to one question I wanted to ask you was on um you being fully aware of the the struggles and the effort your parents are putting you through to mm-hmm. be in school. So now in primary, you've had just yelling at students, telling them how they are spoiled brats, whatnot. Mm-hmm. High school, the same thing. So even though sometimes you're not actively thinking about it, it's in your subconscious. And so the question now comes in you in university as an international student. One, have you ever gotten a bad grade? And if so, if yes, did it ever did you ever feel now that now what this this is now becoming a reality where all the things that you were saying is now feeding into you so none is really telling you that uh your parents are spending so much money why are you failing but now since you've had it all over since you are young primary high school you're not telling yourself i can't believe my mother is struggling my mother is working so many hours for me to not give her an a or whatever good grade might look like to you mm. Uh, the answer to the question is yes, um, obviously. I think I'm just like anyone else. And there are always exams where you don't do well. Um, mm-hmm. As to the second question, I think that, yes, it's true. What you come to realize is, um, and I did have a conversation about this with someone else. Somehow, somehow same conversation, but with someone totally different. And what was mentioned to me and what I also ended up dealing with was eventually once that external pressure is taken off, I think you're just, you're so used to being, you're so used to having that voice mm-hmm. that it somehow becomes made up in your own head. So mm-hmm. even though even though you don't have people telling you, yeah, oh, there's a lot of money being spent on my fees or regardless of how much, even though no one is telling you there's there's a struggle somewhere for you to be in school regardless mm. of how much that struggle amounts to you know monetarily there's a struggle and yeah. once that's in your head it is it is very easy for it to overtake you like i when i say very easy i mean very very easy cuz i think a good example would be I had a certain exam where I was I was doing 
I could have gotten a better grade than I eventually did, even though the grade I got was perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. But the reason I didn't get said grade was there was a point in time where I was studying, I believe the night before. Mm-hmm. And at some point, I was looking at the grade I wanted, the GPA I wanted, and I was like, but what happens if I don't get this? And I kind of slowly started feeding into the, oh, there's so much that my mom is doing back home to get this fees on the table. There's so much that's being done for me to be in school. There's there's probably so much that's being sacrificed. And what if I don't get it? And I think the stress of it kind of got to me and followed me into the exam room and I didn't end up doing as well as I would have liked. Mm-hmm. And I think if I hadn't had a good friend nearby uh, when it happened, or at least that day, I think I would have just, I would have just continued stressing myself out and probably have done badly in the exam that came the next day because it was finals week. Mm-hmm. So I think once you get conditioned by your teachers in primary, especially when we're talking about teachers who are well older than you saying these to people who are of the ages of 13, 14, 15, up to like 18. At that point, what you hear typically sticks with you. Mm-hmm. And you'll usually, you'll usually think back on it. And sometimes when the external pressure is gone, your body is so used to having that pressure and having that voice, you'll force it on yourself. And unless you kind of sit back and think about where it's coming from and find better ways to cope with your failure, with your not doing as well as you wanted, eventually it can weigh you down and stop you from being as good as you should be. And I do think, even in high school, I do think there are a bunch of people who could have done better were mm-hmm. it not for the teachers constantly bearing down on them and saying, oh, look at what you've done. Because it. I think something I came to realize is teaching back home isn't like teaching abroad. Back home, mm-hmm. it's very, very personal, such that you're not just dealing with a teacher who's there to instruct you. You're dealing with someone who may or may not having have something personal against you. Yeah. And I, I think that's weird for someone who's 40, 50 something years old to have something personal against an eight-year-old, but I digress. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Uh But you'd have that. And and so it's like, even even when you'd have situations where it's like, no one even allowed you, like it was one thing for the teachers to bear down on you when you made a mistake, but it was another thing entirely for the teachers to not even give you the space to be, to show up as the person you grew up to be. Like, you made the necessary changes and you're trying to get there, but there's someone who's still remembering something you did last week or when you talked back to a teacher. And it's like, but how? How are we going to, how do we move forward if you're constantly stuck right there? Yeah. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. to summarize, because I think I've, I've extended this a little bit too much. When you have that head, when you have that voice in your head or when it's been, in you've been hearing it for years and years even when you leave and you're no longer in that environment you end up subjecting yourself to kind of the same punishment and unless you find a way to deal with it or you find someone to talk to 
or you come to terms with the fact that you're human like everyone else and it happens, I don't think you grow. I don't think you'll do better. And I also don't think it's good for you as a human being, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are the ways for you personally that you used to cope and that you'd recommend? Um, I'm sure that I've also to a, a friend of mine as well who's going through the same struggle where they fast, obviously, you know, they've gone there, they, they want to do this course A, but course A is not what they like. But since the mm-hmm. parent is paying so much school fees, you decide, okay, let me just try. And so it gets harder for them. And obviously, they, uh, they've suffered mental health issues because of always feeling like they're not doing enough and they're not doing the, the, the course they're doing is not the course they want. So they're obviously, they're not doing their best. And obviously, the school fees card is always used again on her that mm-hmm. you know how much school fees are paying and you're going there to play, whatnot. You can't be complaining about mental health all the time. Uh, we just want to see grades. What is this? You know, that whole rant. Um, I think ultimately, I, I'm just going to take this straight from my mom. Be honest from the get-go. You have to you have you have to say from the very beginning if things my mom has always told me no matter how bad it gets no matter what is happening be honest just mm-hmm. say the honest truth and get it over with because once you've said it you've quite literally dealt with the worst already mm-hmm. i think in a situation where you find which is it's kind of um Honestly, I think I might have a more unique perspective to this simply because I'm in the position of someone who initially wanted to do something mm-hmm. and changed to do something else. So I had wanted to do med initially. Hey. I eventually changed. Yeah, no, uh, I saw the kind of struggle that people are going through and I was like, I'm not smart enough for this. Let me just, <laughs> I like math. I like physics. <laughs> Let me just do that. It's, it's fun and it's intuitive and I'm happy with it. Don't go chasing um, waterfalls. Stick to the river. Absolutely. <laughs> so I think when it happened, the thing is for me, it was a shock for not just my mom and my dad, but for most of the family because I had grown up saying I wanted to be a doctor for a while. Mm-hmm. I think I did come to realize that it was more so something I had said when I was younger and I just, I was too afraid to, it was something I'd said when I was young. And I was just too afraid to change my mind because I didn't want to deal with all the questions and, oh, Bono may change, what's going on? I thought you wanted to do this. But eventually when it came to a time where I was like, this could actually determine who I end up being and what happens to me in future, mm-hmm. it makes more sense now to say it. Yes. And so I got to the point and I had to have that conversation. I think... If, if we're being fully honest, I don't think we can ever really say that in all situations, that thought in your head is isolated. I do believe there are people who have their parents bearing down on them. And I know that because I've had conversations with said people. Mm-hmm. And I feel the only way you can deal with that is simply saying what is going on in the sense that explaining it in the best way possible. And I understand that Explaining anything to your parent in a way that makes it seem that they're wrong is difficult to do because it does end up seeming as if you're being confrontational. Yeah. But again, if you're honest from the get-go, you've dealt with the worst. Mm -hmm. So I do think if you're having that pressure from your parents, 
say it openly. Hey, mom, dad, the pressure that you're putting on me to be this person or to get this done, et cetera, et cetera, it's doing more harm than good. Mm-hmm. If you're in a situation where it's not an external pressure, but an internal pressure, I do think I would take this from my cousin who said, always keep in mind that your best is enough. Not in the mm-hmm. sense that not in the sense that your best grade is enough or your best, you know, not in the sense that your best result is enough. But for as long as you put your best foot forward and you saw what it was that was, for example, if we're talking about an exam, if you did what it is you believed to be necessary, then your best is enough. Obviously, we do have to get, we can't stop there and you do have to go to an extent of looking at what it is that made you fail and correcting it. But as for dealing with that voice in your head, it's always helpful to understand that what it is you're doing for as long as you put your best foot forward, it's enough. If you want to beat yourself up about, you know, when you're fully aware that, oh, you messed around and you went to party instead of studying or you you're with friends or you didn't study as adequately or you took things for granted, you can beat yourself about you can beat yourself up about that, but even then only to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And then from there, the only other thing I guess I could recommend is either see a friend or see a therapist because and this isn't to throw any shade to anyone, but the truth of it is a lot of times we do try to deal with a lot of situations that neither us nor the people around us are capable of dealing with. Mm -hmm. Some of these things might be a bit more deep-rooted than we know. Some of them might, might not. But if you get to a point where what it is you've done with the people around you to try and help the situation hasn't helped it, I do think it would be helpful to seek a therapist. And I do think there is quite a bit of stigma in seeking professional help especially within the African community, because for some reason, there's something wrong with saying there's something wrong. But Mm -hmm. in actuality, saying something wrong is the actual first step to fixing it. And that's what everyone is trying to do at the end of the day. Mm. So honestly, if you need help, seek it. I think it's good for everyone. At the end of the day, I don't think anyone has ever regretted seeking help that was good for them. Yeah. Yeah. And even now on um, the concept of being your best and your best being enough, how do you know that you're doing your best? And again, just to clarify, so your best is in the effort you put in and not in the outcome, not in the result, right? Mm, Yes. So how do I know what really is my best? Because the days for three hours, the days you read for four hours, the days you will... So how do I actually know and how do I again unlearn that my best mm-hmm. is not in the outcome? Because again, back to our eight for four manenos, mm-hmm. primary high school, your best is always in the outcome. So absolutely, college, regardless of if you read the whole night, if Come the Peter, reflecting it that, it then mm-hmm. literally then matter, right? And even it shows in your KCC where someone you know there are always that student. There's always that student who's performed so is. well mm-hmm. in their internal exams, but KCC something happens. And you know what's so sad? There was Mm -hmm. always that kid who put in 
the most effort and was very diligent with their work and somehow still got the very worst treatment from the teachers just exactly. for the fact that just for the fact that the results couldn't show and it was so sad to watch because mm-hmm. you're looking at someone who you're putting in the work and i believe this was every single person to an extent but i'm speaking very specifically to someone who has a track record of putting in the work every single day but not getting the result they want and wow Mm-hmm. Wow, wow, wow. I honestly feel like anyone who did KCSE from like 2013 to like 2019 deserves like free therapy. Like free therapy <laughs> three days a week for like a month. Because please, please. Uh-huh. <sighs> But I think um, to answer your question, I think we should kind of break away from 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 the whole studying bulky or studying smart or whatever or whatever it is these names we've come to like you know attach to just studying inefficiently mm-hmm. i think each person i think what's good in order for you to do your best i think you need to understand your individual way of learning things Mm-hmm. there are people who for example for me right my mom has always encouraged me if you are having trouble if you're having trouble in if you're having trouble in a certain class do group work and i as a person don't do well with studying when there are people around me i i wish i could explain why i wish i could explain why it is that i don't enjoy it or i can't obtain the knowledge as quickly as i would if it were myself but it just doesn't work for me so what i did come to realize is even through high school a lot of us were being subjected to obviously not for fault of the system because you had to keep in mind depending on the school you went to you're either dealing with 25 students per, te- per teacher or 250 students per teacher it depended so you'd have to determine the path towards your best so obviously if it's to, in terms of like school you have to determine what it is if it's in terms of school obviously you have to determine what it is that's best for you and that does start from what we were talking about before which is just being honest from the get go and saying this is what i want to do as opposed to what you guys want me to do from there you've already eliminated so many things you would have had to deal with and you've alleviated so much stress Mm-hmm. then from there whether it is from there once you're pursuing this you have to understand the things that can bring you down and the things that can help you if it's mm-hmm. in terms of school you you obviously have to determine how studying how you can best study or rather how what method of studying works best for you mm-hmm. and then from there i think it's really just you have to i think one thing you shouldn't forget when thinking about or when going for your best is you need to be able to reassess if you had a goal in mind and you didn't achieve it as much as you can say my best was the best today obviously the goal is for you to move your best a peg up each time and so mm-hmm. that would typically only happen 
if you're able to like take the time and be like, okay, of what I did, this worked, this didn't work. And then I wish, I wish it was as easy as saying, if you do this, you're good. But sadly, when you're coming to decide even just the methods of studying, it is trial and error. You will have to deal with a bunch of things not going your way. And sadly, it's probably going to be that for longer than you would like. But at the mm -hmm. end of the day, if, if you're seeing consistent progress, and we're not talking about like every single day is better than the last, but we're talking about every single day, even though today wasn't better than yesterday or you know, today was great, yesterday, tomorrow is bad, the day after is fantastic, the day after that isn't. If you're seeing a constant change in your habits, you're seeing a constant development into being a better person overall, then at that point, you can say your best is your, your best is enough. Your mm. best is always enough. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think the best way to determine it is to like, Watch, watch your progress as a person. If you, you can clearly see if you're sticking to what you're meant to be doing. You can tell when I think you should be ready for setbacks. And as you progress, you'll tell the difference between a minor setback and something that requires a major overhaul. And then, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's actually very interesting because... I think a lot of guys need to hear that. And that's one thing I'll ask you. One more question I'll ask you in regards to the end. But now mm -hmm. I'll ask you a question on uh, you starting to become fully aware of your parents' struggles and whatnot. Uh, contrasting with to how people would make it seem that as children, you're very naive, you're very ungrateful, your parents mm -hmm. are doing the most, and um, and you're just playing around. So what do you feel? Do you feel like now you being fully aware of your parents' struggle at that young age was a good thing for you? Absolutely parents break. Uh -huh. Tell me about it. Uh, not, 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 not in that sense. Like, if we're talking about being made aware, that's different. I don't think that's helpful for anyone. But if we're talking about being aware, I think it's good for everyone. I think it's good for you to know. I think it's good for everyone to not just assume that food is just on the table and fees are just paid and clothes are just on your back. I think it's good for everyone to know. At what age, though? At what age? Yes. Mm. That is... I think age is only a factor when we're talking about being made aware mm -hmm. as opposed to being aware because like any kid on the planet, you'll just you'll become aware of your own, you know, just... In your own way, you'll either see it happen or there'll be things that as much as your parents will try and hide them from you, you'll just see. You'll watch your parents come home late and you'll understand it. And it, in that way, I think, I think that's fine. And I think any child can be exposed to that at any age because at the end of the day, you're just seeing what happens. You're not being made responsible for what happened. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? So it's like I'm seeing my parents yeah. come home, but I'm not being made to feel as though I'm a terrible person and the reason they're out there is my fault and I should feel mm. bad about it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think if we're ever going to make kids aware of it, I, I think just as kids, you'll become aware naturally at whatever age and it's different for every person in every household. 
So I don't think I could really give an answer for that. And I don't think there's an answer that exists for that. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to being made aware, I think somewhere in maybe after your mid-teens, maybe early mm-hmm. adulthood, because I don't think, I feel like, honestly, if I could, I would do my very best to avoid to avoid being the person to like, say, do you know how much fees you were paying? You know? Like, mm-hmm. if you see me, if if I as a parent, hypothetically, have a kid and he, you know, sees me staying late for work or coming home, you know, or leaving very early in the morning or something to that effect. If he sees that and he wants to perceive it as me doing a lot of work, that's fine. But I don't think I should hinder all that, like, I don't think it's fair to hinder that youth with all that responsibility, in my opinion. I think as a kid, you should be allowed to grow up, like, to get to a certain point where you can make mistakes freely and grow freely. Not necessarily without consequence, obviously, yes, with consequence, but you shouldn't feel like you learning, you learning to learn Mm-hmm. should you know there should be a right way immediately yeah and i think when when you have someone telling you that there's so much being paid for you to be in school sometimes you feel like you should get it right immediately which is an unreal expectation and it does more harm than good mm-hmm. so if i were to do it probably when they've gotten to that point where they're within their mid-teens but even yeah. then I don't feel like I'd ever f- find a reason to like talk about it. Because mm. it's like, if we're talking about grades, wouldn't it be a conversation about, so what happened? Like, what, what happened with your grades? Because at the end of the day, it's about their grades, not my effort. Yeah. So, I don't know. But at the same time, it's also not something I can really fault people for doing. Like, not, not like to everyone who's ever said it because there is a lot that goes into being a parent. Yeah. I do think at times as kids, we are at fault and we do forget that. And maybe sometimes Mm -hmm. we do need to be reminded. I think that's fine. Mm. But, and, you know, just the stress that goes into it, I can understand why you'd say it, even just to make your kid aware. But just once it gets to a point of, being a form of guilt tripping, that's when I think it's too much. Yeah. Yeah. Because even going abroad, I think you you have you you eventually get to sometimes I think parents don't want to have that money conversation or tell you about it. Mm-hmm. But when you're going abroad, you eventually get to see the bank statements and you get to see where your family really is. Mm-hmm. Because probably when you're younger your parents want you not to think about that struggle. And then once you're starting to process mm-hmm. things like visas and whatnot. I think that was probably if there's anything that I feel like going abroad, once you really, it it will really make you grow up faster, is like watching the process of obtaining a visa. Mm-hmm. It is so involving. And like for someone who's like 16, 17 years old, you've never had to move up and down like this. Oh, vaccinations. Oh, I have to go get visa. Oh, bank statement. Oh, we have to go do this. And you go back and forth and you realize how much goes into like putting you into a school. Yeah. And for... I would honestly like to say I've had it 
a lot easier than some people I know because I know someone who is currently paying all her fees herself. Herself? Yes. So this is this is someone taking herself through nursing school, paying for it herself. Doing her very best. But even then, even though she's doing very well, we still have had to have that conversation of being too hard on yourself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. depends. When you go abroad, you do grow up a lot faster depending on the household you come from. You grow at different rates, but ultimately going abroad teaches you how to stand on your own two feet. Sadly, not in the best way. Yeah. Too many things, too many things, too many things can go wrong to the point that even being there and having those opportunities, you don't get to enjoy them. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would, I guess, told me her first, her undergrad, undergrad was the most stressful thing in her life. Mm-hmm. And she's in one of the best universities, but she said, wow, that was the most, like, she didn't even get to exams and she's blacking out. And you can see how, obviously, that adulting, many things coming to you at you at once just mm-hmm. gets to you. Because, again, you're, you're not prepared for any of this. At least if you're staying in Kenya, you know, mm-hmm. you both transition. I saw a Twitter that day that if things go bad, you can always go back to your mom's house. Mm-hmm. But you, there's no coming. Who is going to start booking a flight impromptu? to come Mm -hmm. back to Kenya. And then I think something I think about a little too much with my mom has told me not to think about Mm -hmm. is worrying about her. Mm -hmm. I think if there's anything, once you go, I think once you go abroad and your parents are paying fees from home, if there's one thing you never thought would be such a big deal, something we used to do in math that we didn't really care for much, until this age, it's exchange rates. The whole mm-hmm. buying and selling. An exchange rate, there's nothing. I never knew a three-digit number with two decimals could stress me out as much as that one. Because it's mm. like, because as much as that thing fluctuates, it could fluctuate maybe two or three, let's say the dollar to the dollar to the shilling is like one to one twenty-five. Mm-hmm. If if that if one if it was one to twenty five when we started, we are good, right? We we planned yes. on the rate going up and we're fine. But if something happens, if that rate goes up by like let's say from one twenty five to one thirty, it doesn't seem like it's a big thing. But when you're sending fees in the order of hundreds of thousands of shillings, mm-hmm. Ultimately, the amount of money you end up having to pay becomes that much greater. And I think one thing that always messes with me is how long can my parents keep doing it, you know? Mm -hmm. And you're always thinking of, I'm always thinking of two things. The political climate, because A, we're dealing with elections very, very soon. And B, the economy. Mm -hmm. Because when you... When you're fully aware that you're coming from a country which at any, like literally at the drop of a pen, things could flip and fortunes for everyone could go, you know, bad. You're thinking, but if I'm doing well in school, fine, but what if, but shouldn't I be taking care of my mom? Yeah. Shouldn't I be helping out with bills or this and the third? And then you get hit with the peer pressure of watching your friends pay for their own fees 
and simultaneously do well in school, if not better than you. And you're like, okay, so am I really... You, you get to that point where you start thinking to yourself, eh, and yeah, I lose a ngombe, and it, it, it hits you. It really does hit you. Um, uh-huh. So yeah, part of part of the, the growing up aspect that I think we mentioned way early in the podcast was you stop thinking about just yourself and you, en- you end up thinking about your parents. If you're in a situation where you have younger siblings, you think about it as well. And in some situations, I do know people who passed up the opportunity to go abroad to study because they needed to save that money for the people who are coming after them, their younger siblings. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Yeah, and that's so because again, uh, guys always talking about our, I saw now on Twitter, guys just talking about how as Kenyans we should be apathetic to what's happening between Ukraine and Russia. Because you know, if it was us, they wouldn't care. But for someone like you, you have to know what's happening because yeah. at any point, you said exchange rate can just decide, okay, the dollar is getting stronger, shilling getting weaker. And for you, that's something that matters. It's not something that, you know, mm-hmm. like for someone who's living with their parents, they will, obviously the mafuta can rise. It can I, fall, but at the same time, you're not, mm-hmm. you don't have to pay for that. Exactly. And your parents don't have to pay for it. And they also don't have to worry about an exchange rate for it. So it's like, yes, yeah. So mm. Mm-hmm. I think you also need to, I think part of the growing up is also taking, taking some of the assumptions on the chin. Uh-huh. In in the sense that you have to deal with, like, you get to a point where, like, you are going through the most, and just because of the fact that you don't talk about it, people assume, oh, going abroad is like this, like that. The growing up aspect of that is... <sighs> you have to learn to not to not meet other people's expectations. In the sense that just because you've gone abroad and you've come back, you don't have to have more money than everyone else. You don't have to be doing better than everyone else. And you also don't have to show it by splurging money on people. Mm-hmm. And it's I've realized that that was a bit more helpful in the long run. I think initially when I came back, I had I had that agenda of not necessarily impressing people, but being there for like family when they needed it. And then I realized I don't have the bank account for that right now. And I never will have the bank account for it if I keep doing what I'm doing now. Mm. As much as I'd like to be there for everyone, ultimately I can't do it. And I shouldn't feel the pressure to be able to do it, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Coincidentally, uh, some guests talked about that as well. It's just saying the whole black tax thing where mm. you're still a child at the end of the day. And we think about you guys go abroad and think you guys have the most money in the world. As well as Kolo has come back yesterday. I'm expecting that me and Kolo, when we go to Tamarind Tree Hotel, Kolo is putting the, the bill. Yeah, like, yeah, oh. like automatic. Like I know. <laughs> which is which is kind of weird. the reason I find that to be incredibly weird is because like even when we had family coming from abroad, as much as they'd bring gifts, a lot of the times because they were the guest, we'd foot the bill. You know, mm, yeah, and it was like you come back now, and everyone's just expecting you to foot the bones. Like, I don't really have it like that, but okay, let's just assume. 
and then the way you guys tell us, you know, I'm working, I'm, I'm earning fifteen dollars per hour. So when you tell me you're earning fifteen dollars per hour, oh, I've oh you the whole the assumption mm. that you know because you've converted it to shillings, shillings. It, should, it should have yeah, it's not the same. It really and I know it's color is coming boiling. <laughs> I'm telling. You, okay, let me just a brief breakdown of the bills I had to pay. I believe my my sophomore, my first or second year, I think. My phone bill alone at the time, because I was paying for it myself, like I was paying for it on a plan with just me, was mm-hmm. seventy. a month every month. Uh I had my cousins, I know were paying upwards of like a hundred. And that is, that is in light of rent, which is upwards of 500 and some change a month. So whatever money you're getting, 600 of it is gone immediately. You get it. Yeah. And if you're thinking about someone who is in the U S you have to keep in mind on an F1 visa, you have a you have a restriction as to how many hours a week you can work, which is 20. Mm-hmm. And sadly, what I came to realize is even if you worked 20 hours that week, just because of tax, it would be more beneficial for you to work 16 hours. Because eventually, once you work 20, once you pass the 16-hour limit, your tax goes up. Mm-hmm. And so... If you were to do the math, like, you know, say I'm making $10 an hour, I work 16 hours a week, and even that is kind of brutal for anyone who's taking like a STEM course or any course, Mm -hmm. generally speaking. But even if I were working those kind of hours, that's what, 160 a week, which is how much a month? Wow. Like 700? Let's just call it 700. Yeah, 700. Yeah. yeah, So... So even then, of the money of the money I've made, how much do I really have left after I've paid rent and my phone? Mm-hmm. It's not that much. So yes, the amount of money you earn is higher, yes, but it is also proportional to the living expenses that you have to deal with. And typically, at the end of the day, the amount of money you make is actually worth less in the US than it is back home. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm, very interesting. I think uh as the people who stay in kenya we need to try and understand this more so i love that we're having this conversation mm-hmm. that we don't assume that our friends who are our age come back and become our sponsors automatically because <laughs> the these guys are our age surely yeah and and so even as you wind up just going back to i told you i'll come back to the question of doing your best mm-hmm. um so what would you tell someone this student who is doing their best but their best is not showing in the outcome Who's stuck in the loop where your outcome there, the end justifies the means. So if your grade at the end of the day is good, then yeah, they are putting in so much. Because I remember this rhetoric with my teachers mm-hmm. where once someone someone would have been playing the whole time in school, but once they pass and perhaps get an A, they'll always come back and say, this boy changed the last minute he used to put effort. Clearly, mm-hmm. this boy didn't put effort. But just because he got the A eventually, then it's fine. But another person studied the whole time, but if he didn't get a good grade, it'll be like, okay, so this guy, kid used to just play around, you know, mm-hmm. pretend they're reading, when in actual sense, some of these students did that, because I even have a friend who put in the, even more than me, like, you know those mm-hmm. people you say, well, yeah. this boy deserve that grade, but 
the results refused to, the end of the results just say no. And they made fun of, I remember even when they just make fun of them, students mm-hmm. those who make fun of them and say, ah, um, say Anasoma all this time and eventually I'll defeat them. So it's fine, you know. Yeah. So, so students will just use that to say, I don't need to put in the effort because if this guy is putting the effort and not passing, you know, they're not even putting the effort. So what would you tell a student who's stuck in that loop? And two, what would you tell an international student who's definitely struggling and always thinking about this money dynamic and feeling like they, their whole family depends on them and their the parents are eating ugali and skuma every day because they're taking them to school. The, not, not said, but it's just a thing that's ringing in their mind. What do you tell him or her? I believe the second question was to do with the international student who feels like there's a lot being done to put them through school. Mm-hmm. And they feel the obligation to give back. Mm-hmm. I, this is my opinion. And I don't know how it's going to be received, but if you feel like you're going abroad will lead to you being in a situation where the people ultimately depending on your outcome, I think it's best not to go. Because I think that you, I can understand that, that is obviously easier said than done because there are people who go abroad solely with the intent to further the lives of themselves and their families. And I know that speaking from the experience of my own mother. But mm-hmm. if you go there, and that's what's on your mind, I feel like ultimately you won't end up achieving what it is you want to achieve simply because there's so much pressure on you. Mm-hmm. Um, if that isn't the case and you're one of those people who did go and is supplementing their education, or rather if you went and you're having your parents supplementing it, I think, and I feel like I'll, I'll be redundant because I'm saying this over and over, but you have to believe that your best is enough. You have, you have to be willing to A, put your best foot forward, B, recognize what your goals are, and C, if you achieved the goal, keep doing what you're doing. If you didn't achieve the goal, sit back and find out why. But you can't ever beat yourself up for it because you do more harm than good. And mm-hmm. if ultimately your goal is to do well in school, if your goal is to if your goal is to be better or to do something, be it in school, be it in your job or whatever it is, if your goal is to be better, you have to take these setbacks on the chin and not proceed to kind of wear yourself down with guilt and feelings of, oh, I should have, oh, I could have. Mm-hmm. Um. So that was, I believe, that was the second question. Mm-hmm. Could you please repeat the first one? Just for the student who whose best is not enough according to the system. Oh, I think you have to you have to learn to tune it out. Um, for if your best, if your best isn't the best for the system, I think like any other Kenyan child or rather any kid in any country in the world, you have no choice but to go through primary and high school. 
however which way they want to call it in whichever country you're in, you'll have to go and study till you're about 16, 17, 18. And mm-hmm. from there, you just, you have to give it your best. I don't think there's really much of a leeway. Maybe if you feel like you're capable enough to do something else or to go a different route and you feel like that's the route for you, I think you should pursue it because I think it's a terrible fate for anyone to kind of be stuck doing something that they hate. Yeah. And for the kid whose best is not enough for the system, what would my advice be? Hmm. I remember we were talking about something along the lines of, oh, you know, this kid did ABCD and he turned around. That's I think that's exactly why I said you need to learn to tune it out because people are significantly more pleased with what they can people are more concerned with what they can they can perceive right Mm -hmm. and in most situations your teachers your parents all they can really truly perceive are your grades regardless of whether they want to say we were in the same room with you or we taught you this and the third they can really truly only perceive the grades that you get they can't perceive how tired you were when you were studying they can't perceive how much effort you put into what you were doing, how much effort you put into correcting what you were doing wrong. And because of all these reasons, you need to take that. I think it's always good for a person to take into consideration what they did because Mm. we do tend to get hung up when the rest of the world doesn't do it because obviously they're not obligated to do it. But when you're sitting down and you're trying to reassess, you also need to sit down and look at what you were doing and be like, hey, I did my best. You know, mm. I, it wasn't great. It wasn't what I expected. It wasn't what my mom wanted or what my dad wanted, etc. But you did your best. Yes. Because in that situation, what else are you to do? And I think one thing I was about to say about the first one, which thankfully now I've remembered, is... It's, it's a very grim thing to say, but the older I get and the more conversations I have, the more I realize it's, it's just the way the world is. The 1% is the 1% for a reason. Mm-hmm. And this isn't, this isn't to tell people that they have an upper limit or they have a ceiling or this and that, even though it sounds like it is, it's just to say there is not everything is meant for everyone. Mm -hmm. And you can try and pursue certain things and it might not work out for you simply because you are different from other people, A, and B, sometimes what you're trying, or rather as a result, what you're trying to do might not be compatible with who you are. Mm. That's a big part of the reason why I didn't do med. As much as as much as I was like, oh, it's a cool thing to do, I hated bio. And I yeah. was terrible at it. And it was like, I'm good at math, I'm good at chem, I'm good at physics. All the world of engineering is open up to me. And there might be someone else who is like, I'm terrible at math, I'm terrible at chem, but I'm great at bio. Or I'm terrible at school altogether, but I have such and such a talent or an expertise 
that will allow me to get somewhere in life, even if it's not down the same path I originally wanted to take. Yes. Yeah. So, so I guess mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. really all the advice I could give. So I guess that's it for this week, folks. Twitter us at the Bushan Pod. Follow us at the Good, the Bad, and Bushan on Instagram, and tell us what are your thoughts on this week's episode. Talking, for, responding to all the things we've talked about in this episode. Have a lovely week ahead, folks, and cheers. Thank you.